The Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Are you looking to value your equipment more accurately? Target the right buyers and close more deals? Reach your ideal customer? Then look no further. Fusible isn't just about ag data. It's about action. Our best-in-class solution empowers you to value your equipment accurately, make informed decisions, and find the perfect prospects. Ignite your dealership's growth at fusible.com slash iron dash podcast. Out in the field, every decision counts. You wouldn't plant without testing your soil, so why would you prospect blind? Introducing EDA, your one-stop shop for ag equipment intel. EDA goes beyond specs and prices. You get deep-dive data on every piece of equipment like UCC filings that help track ownership changes and uncover potential sales leads. D&B firmographics, which help you understand the financial health and buying power of potential customers. Market trends that help you stay ahead of the curve and insights on equipment demands and pricings. With EDA, you're not just looking at data, you're seeing opportunity. Find the right buyer, sell smarter, and build lasting relationships. Visit edadata.com for your free demo and unlock the power of knowledge. For over 80 years, Iron Solutions has been your go-to data source for ag dealers, lenders, and manufacturers. Get powerful appraisal and value forecasting tools that fuel profitable decisions anytime, anywhere. Get your free demo at ironsolutions.com. Iron Solutions, confidence in every click. Today, there are many ways to finance ag equipment, but nobody delivers simple, fast, or flexible financing like AgDirect. Learn more about your options to buy, lease, and refinance equipment at agdirect.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. When you partner with Axon, you immediately gain access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. We carry all major brands and sizes of tires and wheels. We specialize in large diameter wheels for large equipment. We have one of the largest OEM replacement wheel inventories in North America. Known for extreme flotation setups, duals, and triples, we have wheels for all makes and models of tractors, sprayers, combines, and grain carts. If we don't have the wheel in stock, we'll custom build, sandblast, and paint in-house. There isn't a more vast inventory in North America dedicated to helping dealers move more iron. With facilities on the West Coast and in the heart of the Midwest, leverage our 230,000 square feet of indoor inventory to solve any problem a grower may have. Move more iron with Axon. Welcome to Moving Iron Podcast Markets with Sean Hackett. Sean Hackett is with Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida, and he's nice enough to come on and talk about what's happening in the marketplace. Sean, how are you doing this morning? Doing good, Casey. Real good. It's a uh, 
seen a few dips in the market here over, over the last, I don't know, week or so. We had the report come out last Thursday and uh, for February and, you know, saw some things kind of move around, nothing too crazy. So, Sean, I guess your thoughts on what happened out of that report on Thursday. Well, I think it's important to understand the sequence of events. We had CONAP, the Brazilian version of the USDA, come out on Thursday morning, and they came out with their expectations for the Brazilian crop. They came in with a 149 and change million metric ton soybean crop down from 156. Um, very aggressive move down. It's the second month in a row. Much closer to the area I think the crop should be taken down to. And then the, the, the corn crop, they reduced it to 113.7 million metric tons total crop, which was another aggressive move down, um, you know, down about 15%, maybe a little over 15% year over year. And kind of consistent with what we've been saying that, you know, given the dry soils and and um, and, and likely continued dry weather into pollination, we would see a crop down. And the market got a little bump in the morning based upon Conop's numbers. Actually, a nice bump in the morning. But the USDA is never as willing to give up the ghost as readily as uh, Conab is, meaning they're much more incremental. And so they came out and they didn't agree with Conab's numbers. Uh, they came down a little bit on corn to, I think it was 154 versus 156. And I think they came down from 126 to 124, 123, obviously much, much larger crops than what Conab had said. So that then took the the budding rally and it put cold water on it. So, so the problem is we have two large governmental agencies saying something very, very different. And so the market goes, I don't know what to think. And so it leaves the market stuck in neutral. Uh, and, um, and that's kind of what pretty much happened on, on Thursday. We, 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 we got a rope of dope. Um, I think ultimately the USDA will come down to the Conab reality, but, it's probably going to be incremental, incremental, you know, over months before the USDA does it. And that's kind of – so what could have been a catalyst for the grain markets uh, was quickly put out by the USDA. And so now we're stuck here with China in their New Year's holiday period, which they do every year. Uh, I think they'll be – the whole country's pretty much shut down until February 18th. Nothing's happening there. There's no, nothing going on there. There's no news there. And so there's just – you know, we're not really into the heart of the weather season for second crop corn in Brazil. We're not into the heart of our our planting season. There's just nothing. We're just in a in a vacuum of news driving the market right now. You know. Yep. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit about the cattle market a little bit. So we've seen a, we've seen a, a peak there a little bit where things were kind of going south a little bit and have kind of turned back around. Um, talk a little bit about that and what you see some of the driving factors there are. Well, we had this three weeks in the first week of the first three weeks of January, which was a one of the coldest in uh, periods in many areas of the of where they grow cattle in a hundred years. Um, in fact, if you look at the natural gas uh, drawdowns, uh, it was the second largest three week drawdown in the history of natural gas ever. Um, so when you do that. And you had a lot of snow and a lot of inclement weather. When you do that, you know you kind of freeze out the the cattle get stuck in the field. I mean, they can't they, they, the cattle can't bring them in. They can't get them to the packing houses. So it caused a shortage. I mean, the packing houses had orders and they couldn't get the cattle in. The beef cutout price jumped 
literally spike traded 10% within a few days once the polar vortex really got going. Um, and of course, when it's that cold, you, you know, anyone knows that the body consumes massive amounts of energy to stay warm, much more than it needs to, that it burns to try to stay cool. So, so you have animals do, doing everything they can to stay warm. They can't get fed uh, the way they know it's supposed to. They can't, you know, it, so the weights, if you look at a, a, in our last report, we put out a uh, cattle weight chart and it just crashed to the lowest levels for this time of the year. Uh, I almost, I, I, I'm not sure if it's ever, but I mean, it's, it's, it's certainly below anything we've seen in the last five or six years. So, you know, if you have lower weights, less animals coming to the packing houses, you're going to get a rally in cattle. The problem is, that's a short-term phenomenon. And of course we've had this very warm period. So the animals are now feeding again. They're putting weight back on again. Uh, they're now accessible again. And now we're now seeing the beef cutout price rolling over again. We've had a 50%, roughly a 50% retracement of the cattle price versus the decline. Not that that's set in stone, but that's not unusual to see that kind of a 50% retracement before the market kind of rolls back over again. So, you know, this is a good opportunity for producers to lock in cash prices for the spring pricing. Um, you know, every market will have these periods where they rally for whatever reason. Uh, most of the time, we, you know, before we started the podcast, we talked about how weather drives ag market volatility most of the time, right? This is a classic example of weather making the cattle market move higher on something, you know, on a 100-year event in January. Um, and, 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 a, and a producer needs to understand that and needs to take advantage of that. The grain markets, you know, something will come along, as we've talked about, that will excite the market weather-wise. We obviously, right now, we're sort of, we're not in, you know, we're not in second crop corn pollination. We're not in our planting scenes. There's nothing weather-wise to drive the market at the moment. But as we move forward, you know, there's a couple of risk points uh, that we think could create a worry. Now, whether that worry translates into a natural crop issue, you know, you don't need it. You just need it to worry so you can get a chance to get market to rally so you can cast, you know, lock in cash prices. You know, we've talked about May being a potential focal point. And this year, I mean, last year we had an earlier weather problem, you know, May, June. Um, this year we think it could be more of a later weather problem, maybe later in July, early August could be where the rally comes from. So, you know, we wouldn't expect a big rally in May, June, like we had last year, based upon dry weather. We think it could be more later July and August. It's just kind of a little. So, so those are your risk points. Now, of course, can geopolitics create a, a rally? Can uh, something going on in China, big flash sale in China, um, a big knockdown on the dollar? I mean, there's a lot of other things that can do it. Don't know how to predict a whole lot of those things, other than to say that weather-wise, I think your risk points for this year is. Adverse weather for May planting, dry weather for safrina corn crop in mid-March to mid-April, late July, early August weather weather worries in the U.S. I think those are your opportunities for the weather to create a reason for the shorts to cover. We're in the market right now at, at some of the highest levels seen in history and to offer an opportunity to sell. What does that mean to price? It, it depends what's going on at the time. It depends what kind of weather we're talking about. Depends um, you know, what's going on with a lot of other factors. But you know, the the rally will be what it will be. But if we're going, you know, with with whatever it is, once the rally gets going, and we see what's driving it, 
we can then measure better how you know what how what what are the legs behind this rally and and what should producers be doing or how should they be thinking about you know making some cash marketing decisions so that's really what you know what it every year is all about is trying to look for those risk points to get something done so yep right on now if, now, uh, now if i told anyone that you know that that your marketing plan for cattle should be to predict a 100 year cold event in january a long shot by the way you know everyone <laughs> would have would have ridiculed me for saying you know you know anyone basing a marketing plan on a 100 year cold event you know is, is 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 some guy just trying to stir stir the pot up and and by the way i i, I didn't know for sure that was going to happen but i the, the forecast was that the risks were elevated that the period from late December into the middle, a lot of part of January was a elevated period where something like that was more possible in, than in most years. And it turned out that it did occur. Um, it, 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 it didn't have to occur it, or it could have been less severe, right? It didn't right. have to be a hundred year cold. It could have been a 50 year cold. It could have been a 25 year cold. Still would have been cold. Still would have been cold, but obviously no. the, the colder, the more damaging it is to the cattle. But yet, nonetheless, it happened, mm-hmm. right? This crazy event that no one has any business forecasting happened and is creating a tremendous opportunity for Mark, for those in the cattle industry to make some cash sales. That's the whole point of this. No one knows the future for sure. Only God knows that. I'm not God, and I don't pr- profess to be one. I don't have a perfect crystal ball. I don't know for sure what's going to happen. I have a very good read on elevated risks for certain weather anomalies to occur where risks or worries could occur that create a stir in the market to provide enough of a rally for farmers to sell. Now, as we get closer to those events or as we go into those events, we can get a little bit of a handle on how extreme, how long, you know? Right. And and, and so, so to me, you know, as a price forecaster, as a marketer, that's all I can do. Right. I don't know what else to do because agriculture is driven by weather for the most part. For the most part, it's driven by sure. weather. Yep. And the, not that I have very many of them going on right now, but just the, the ever so slight geopolitical situations that may pop up from time to time. Look, we, we know we're in, a, we're in a very unstable world right now. We know that, what is it, 50 countries are having elections this year. Right. Um, yeah. You know, at varying times, you know, it's a perfect year for a, a bunch of mayhem. Uh, yep. I can't predict. I don't know anyone that can predict when, where, how, who, for what reason, for what, you know, and exactly what the nature of the geopolitical stir is going to be and which markets would be most impacted. It depends. It depends. It depends. It depends. Right. Right. Um, a lot of facts. It could, be, it could mean a lot for crude. It could mean a lot for cord. It could mean... A lot for copper. It, it 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 just depends what it is. So all we know is is that we're in a very unstable geopolitical environment. That at any moment we can get some volatility around that. And given that we have very very aggressive short positions, especially in the grain markets right now, uh, the risks are that. Uh, the, the shorts get tripped up by an unforeseen political event and for at least a short little while may see the reason to buy back those short positions, creating a rally that farmers could sell into. If and when we get any kind of a stir like that, 
and you want to you want to run, not walk, to get some sales done because geopolitic uh, events don't tend to tend to have a very short fuse when they occur. So, uh, I'm just counting the number of countries that have elections on right now, and I <laughs> I got I got to 65 before, it's, and it, there's still there's still a lengthy list. It's after, a ton. After it's, that. So 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 at any moment, you know, something can happen this, this afternoon, and all of a sudden it, it's. It stirs the market and it gets all the speculators worried that they're on the wrong side and, and you get a rally in corn and soybeans for no reason that anyone could have predicted, but you get an opportunity to sell. That That is out there yeah. and will be out there for the foreseeable future. Can't predict it. Nobody can, but it's out there. All I know is, is that my over 30 years of watching markets, ag markets, grain markets, commodity markets, whenever I've seen a group like the grains complex that are pinned with record short positions – by highly leveraged speculative funds as a percentage of output interest to this degree, eventually something comes along to trip them up at some point. And that, and then you have to just have to be ready for it when it comes because it'll be fast, it'll be quick, it'll be out of nowhere, but it'll have a short fuse. Short covering in itself is a short fuse unless what's driving it has sustainability to it. It may have sustainability, it may not have sustainability, but we have to get there first. Yeah, if I counted correctly, there's 76 countries. So out of whatever, there was there 160 some countries or something like that. And of course, so you, know, it, you know, and, and you know, there's a lot of the big geopolitical countries like us and Jamaica. That's a big <laughs> one. <laughs> but but they have the point. Point you're making is very valid. I mean, when you have almost half of the world's countries having some some level of uh, of, a, of an election, and so most of these countries, when they have an election, it turns into a coup. So I mean, it, you you have all these things happening, and then you have you well, throw you know India is having a, India is having an election. Yeah. Uh, you know, even though Russia, I guess, technically doesn't have elections, but they're having a. Having a showing, they have a showing, but 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 they like they like they have, they have a history of trying to make noise around those shows that they put yep. on. Um, yep. So you know, I guess I, we have a couple of countries. We have some European countries that have because we have elections. Um, you know, it's just a lot of um, a lot going on with that. So 195 countries, so almost almost half the countries in the world are having an election this year. <clears throat> There's a lot of uh, and the other thing a lot, is you a, know, lot of, a lot of pressure out there. And, and yeah. the other thing is, you know, look, you know, I stay out of politics. All I'm trying to say is, I believe world leaders are currently viewing U.S. leadership as being, for the moment, very very weak. Uh, probably the weakest it's been in a long time. And I think they see an opportunity in an election year with what they believe to be. Now, whether you can agree or disagree that that the current administration is weak leadership, I'm not trying to make comment, but I do believe they believe that our current leadership is is very, very weak. And, and in an election year, I think many see an opportunity to take advantage of that, that they haven't had an opportunity to do in a very, very long time. Meaning, if they're going to get away with something, if they're going to be able to pull something off in an election year with perceived extremely weak leadership at the moment, uh, I, I think this this provides an incentive for them to get something done this year before elections take place, and maybe things change, and maybe the leadership changes, or or whatever, and 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 and, and maybe the country's leadership 
isn't going to be viewed as weak, however it all goes down uh, going forward. And so that's that's a a vulnerable uh, a vulnerable spot right now. That because of that perceived weakness, I think the one of the reasons that Iran and others are are doing a lot of things right now is because they feel we're in a weak position and we're not really wanting to get into an aggressive altercation because we're in a weak position. So yeah. that just That's offers, statement. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think that just offers greater chance for, for additional mayhem, you know, yep. for sure. All right. So we have a uh, customer or customer, a, uh, Listener question coming up here, and this listener question response is brought to you by Moving Iron's official data partner, which is Fusible, the home of Iron Solutions and EDA data. Ignite your dealership's growth at Fusible.com. All right, Sean, so we had a listener write in, and the question is, um, uh, how is it possible for Ukraine to be raising so much grain to harm the European and American farmer when the report's are that the whole country seems blown to pieces. Shouldn't this be a major factor going forward in grain price appreciation as Ukraine is the breadbasket, as they say? What is the status of Ukraine and Russia's crops? Well, I mean, Russia's Russia. I mean, there's nothing changed with Russia. But um, the original perception when the wheat market ran up to 14 and everyone was projecting it was going to go to $20, $30 and half the world's going to starve to death, if you recall, it was ha- being talked about at that time. The view was that that this war was going to shut down uh, Ukrainian ag production co- almost completely, um, and that Russia would use food as a bargaining chip to get what they wanted. And I believe that if you look at when and this is just my speculation, I'm not a geopolitical guru by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just trying to look at things the way I think they went down. But then the minute that Russia and China came together and made that uh, proclamation that they were buddies and they were going to work together hand-in-hand and heart-to-heart hand heart for the greater good of themselves, and given that China is obviously very sensitive to food and food supplies and food prices, I believe under no certain terms, I believe that China went to Russia and said – you are not going to screw around with their agricultural production. You're going to back off. You can bomb them all you want. Elsewhere in the country, stay away from agriculture. We can't lose them. We're not going to lose them. If you want our help, if you want us to buy a bunch of your stuff, you back off on their agriculture. That's my perception. And it seems that once that happened, Agriculture has been allowed to operate. They've been allowed to move. Look, the shipments are moving because Russia is allowing it to move, period, and the story. So there has to be – somehow there has to be this unwritten agreement that China and Russia that – was what they, that was the deal they brokered. Leave ag – the Ukraine ag – that doesn't mean ag, the, the Ukraine has rebounded back to where they were. They haven't. You know, they're still producing, I don't know, half as much as they did before, but they're still producing. Remember, the original perception is their production was going to zero, and they were going to be offline for years. Right. Well, they're, they're producing half as much, and they're going to continue to produce half as much. And that's a, a much, much different supply-demand equation than zero. 
And it doesn't look like that that situation is going to end anytime soon, that all the bombing and the, and the continued altercations continue to be leave the act sector alone, do whatever, whatever you want to the rest of the country, but leave the act sector alone. And then until, unless the Russia China relationship falls apart, I cannot imagine that China's going to allow Russia to go in there and ruin Ukraine agriculture. I, I just don't believe that China will. Well, I just don't believe that's the agreement that they – that's my speculation as to what occurred. Um, it's the only thing that explains what happened here, in my opinion. And that was something that the market was was not expecting. They they expected Russia to fully destroy the ag sector, and, and they really have just left it alone. For the most part, they haven't messed around with it too much. Um same thing with the fertilizer, right? The whole concept was that the fertilizer from Russia and the fertilizer from China were going to be cut off to the rest of the world and and and, and crop production was going to collapse. You remember what was being talked about back then? Well, they had they 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 haven't stopped everyone got their fertilizer. At some point they said we you know China said, you yeah, look, we're gonna keep the food thing going, you know. We, 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 Brazil needs fertilizer. We don't right. need, want Brazil to fall into the, right. maybe the, maybe the U.S. wants Brazil production to go down because it'd be better for us, but China does not want that. China wants a very, very robust Brazilian production. So they really can deprive Brazil of fertilizer? No. So I think there's a lot of misperceptions and mis, um, you know, just, uh, some missteps on, the geopolitical chess pieces that once that relationship was solidified, it changed the whole rules of engagement to what Russia and China, how they viewed food versus how they viewed, you know, the Ukraine war and what that was going to be about. And I think they said, we're going to take food and separate it from your pro and your war with Ukraine. Um, and as long as you do that, Russia, we'll buy a ton of wheat from you. We'll buy a ton of oil from you. We'll buy a ton of natural gas from you. We'll, you know, we'll give you a lot of money, which you need to fight the war and such forth and so on. And I, when, you, when you sit down and think it through, you know, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of geopolitical people who are going to trash me for saying what I just said because they know better. And I'm not professing to be an expert, but I think if you think it logically through, this is what has occurred. And that's why the Russia-Ukraine geopolitical story has not been a factor for a long time, and I don't think it's going to be. Right on. Okay. All right, Sean, good place to stop there. Uh, folks, have any more questions like that for Sean, make sure you send them to me. Uh, you can email me at movingironpodcast and movingironpodcast.com, or you can hit me up on all the socials. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, LinkedIn, and you can find me on Snapchat and TikTok as well. So any questions like that you might have, make sure, send them to me, and I'll make sure to ask Sean on there. Sean, if folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what you're doing over at Hackett Financial, what's the best way to do that? Uh, we have a website at Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. We have a Twitter page at Faradex11. We have a LinkedIn page. Uh, from time to time, we put out some interviews that we do with others. Um, we also put out some snippets from time to time that go over our statistics, cycles, and correlations and how we kind of view um, price forecasting ag and the risk points ahead to see if that kind of approach to looking at uh, the agricultural uh, markets is of value to those watching your show. Right on. Sean, appreciate you being on, man. We'll catch you next, uh, maybe Thursday this week, and we can hook back up again.
Sounds good, Casey. Thanks. Right on. I am Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. Go to LinkedIn at Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on, um, like I said, uh, Facebook, or, I'm sorry, uh, YouTube, where you can find the uh, video version of this, and also go to Snapchat and TikTok as well, and you can find me there at Moving Iron Podcast. Uh, got the new website up. I'm sure there's a, I'm sure it's loaded with bugs and all kinds of fun stuff too, but uh, we'll get that figured out along the way. But the new website is up, so check that out there. Uh, you'll start seeing more information about the Moving Iron Summit that's coming up here November 4th through the 6th. Uh, check that out, and you'll be able to get all the information there. Sean will be there talking about what's going on as he sees things headed into 2025, so looking forward to that. And uh, if you need more information about anything Moving Iron related, send me an email at Moving Iron Podcast at MovingIronPodcast.com, and I will make sure to address those. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Sean Hackett. Let's move some iron, folks. Out. The Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Are you looking to value your equipment more accurately, target the right buyers, and close more deals? Reach your ideal customer? Then look no further. Fusible isn't just about ag data. It's about action. Our best-in-class solution empowers you to value your equipment accurately, make informed decisions, and find the perfect prospects. Ignite your dealership's growth at fusible.com slash movingiron-podcast. Out in the field, every decision counts. You wouldn't plant without testing your soil, so why would you prospect blind? Introducing EDA, your one-stop shop for ag equipment intel. EDA goes beyond specs and prices. You get deep dive data on every piece of equipment like UCC filings that help track ownership changes and uncover potential sales leads. D&B firmographics, which help you understand the financial health and buying power of potential customers. Market trends that help you stay ahead of the curve and insights on equipment demands and pricings. With EDA, you're not just looking at data, you're seeing opportunity. You find the right buyer, sell smarter, and build lasting relationships. Visit edadata.com for your free demo and unlock the power of knowledge. For over 80 years, Iron Solutions has been your go-to data source for ag dealers, lenders, and manufacturers. Get powerful appraisal and value forecasting tools that fuel profitable decisions anytime, anywhere. Get your free demo at ironsolutions.com. Iron Solutions, confidence in every click. Today, there are many ways to finance ag equipment. But nobody delivers simple, fast, or flexible financing like AgDirect. Learn more about your options to buy, lease, and refinance equipment at agdirect.com. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. This podcast is proudly provided by Axon, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com. Move more iron with Axon. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. You'll find us here Moving